0: Welcome to the CX Impact Podcast, speed up your customer experience success. The CX Impact Podcast is brought to you by GemSeek, your trusted analytics advisor, helping you predict what your customers will do next. Hello,
1: Sasha. Hello, Evo, how are you? I'm very well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're here today to explore another side of the customer experience universe. And when you think about customer experience, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
0: Customer experience? Yes. Uh, surprise. I don't know why I always associate it with surprise. It could be a negative surprise. You know, you notice things only when there is a difference. There is something which doesn't exactly fit. So it could be a negative surprise. Well, these are basically the experiences that we all remember. it could also be a very positive surprise. But I think if it's a regular thing, I wouldn't really notice that. I'm going to say surprise, yes.
1: And indeed it is. Companies are often looking for ways to make customers happier, more satisfied. But there is another side to the story, and that is the story that people don't talk about. It's not explored in the business literature, it's not explored in top leaderships, and actually it's not even discussed openly in social media. It isn't about the arrogant, the inappropriate and often rude behavior of customers towards employees. Yeah. And that's exactly why we have you here. So, Ivo is the managing director of GEMSEC, and GEMSEC is a company that sets strategies and processes at place to help organizations create superb customer, but employee experiences as well. And he just published his second book, The Abusive Customer. And that's why we have you here today to tell us a bit more. So what inspired you to write this book?
0: I've always been interested in creating better customer experiences. So it's all about the customer, the customer is first. You need to step into customers' shoes and all of these things. And that's all very good. This kind of philosophy exists for a reason. And I think people are very much right in trying to do whatever is best for their customers. But while I was doing the research for the first book, I actually came across a couple of articles which were exploring customers' aggressive behavior and how it's harmful for employees and so on. And I thought, I don't hear people talking about these things. And then when you dig a little bit deeper, you realize that in some areas of the business, up to a quarter and to a half even of people are actually being abused by customers. And you know, abuse might be a little bit, it's not like abuse that it happens every day from the same customer or something like that. But it's definitely very harmful for these people because it's no, it's not nice to have someone screaming and yelling at you. It's not nice someone pounding on the table just because you cannot change their ticket for free. And it's definitely not nice if you are a hostess on an airplane or something like that and all of a sudden someone starts screaming and abusing other customers as well and just yelling at you and all these things and calling you names. It's not nice, and the more I read, the more I realized that it's not something that happens on an exceptional basis, it's not something that happens rarely, it happens on a daily basis. For some people, that's their daily job, handling that type of people. But then, even in areas in which you wouldn't actually expect that, nurses are very often abused by customers or patients, if you will. Nurses, they're there to help us, they're there to save their friends' and families' lives. And people abuse them, and I can understand all the stress and all that. It's definitely a stressful situation, but is this doing any good to anyone really? And the short term thing is, it's only part of it because long term, it leads to burnout. When we talk a lot about mental health these days and burnout and whatnot. And I think the last thing that occurs to us is trying to actually make customers less aggressive and less abusive and establish rules and kind of help employees go through that. And even beyond nurses, even in areas in which you would expect that people are very civil and all that, even in the consulting business, there are customers who are abusive. It's plain and simple. If I'm in a call and someone starts yelling at my people or someone starts yelling at the marketing team or whatever you work, there are customers who do that. There are customers who use derogatory statements towards our employees we are just not behaving nicely.
1: It feels like... A lot of the examples you're giving are based on customer abuse being driven by experience, experience mm. that was unsatisfactory for the customer. There was a trigger in your book, what is the, I guess in your research while we were writing mm. your book, what was the core trigger that you identified to provoke customers to be abusive towards the front end stuff?
0: Yeah. I think on one hand there is this set of factors which I'm gonna call personality factors if you will. So some people are just more likely to be abusive than others. So, people who are narcissistical in nature, if you will, people who feel entitled. And this kind of sense of entitlement, it's, I think it's growing stronger by the day. I actually read articles which claim that, yes, we have become a much more entitled culture. We just feel entitled to things. And this kind of sense of entitlement, it's very closely related to narcissism. When with narcissism, it's all like, it's about me, me, me. I don't care about you, you're going to do what I say because I'm paying you money. Excuse the language, but that's almost a quote from customers. So I think this personality angle is really strong. You know, there are people who are low on agreeableness as well, on the big five personality and so on. So there is definitely this angle. And then, then there is also the cultural angle. This culture of entitlement and of the customer is king and so on. And that's just getting perpetuated throughout society with consumerism and all that. And I know there is very good reason for us to say that the customer is king, but I think we should be aware that there is also the flip side of that. There is also the dark side of it. And there are a lot of dark sides. You know, one is encouraging consumption and and all of that. But the other bit is that, yes, it's making people demand more and more. And sometimes they demand things that shouldn't be demanded. You cannot demand that a customer service employee just obeys your orders. No, you're not kink, it's a metaphor, you know, it shouldn't be like that. And then I think the third bit is really the contextual element, which you also mentioned. The contextual element consists basically of all the customer service elements. I was super surprised to learn that one of the biggest reasons for customer abuse, it's actually poor customer service. And I think that's something that we're not talking about because we know that good customer experience gives you happier customers and they recommend you more and so on. And what we rarely talk about is that bad customer experience. One, it ruins customers' days, basically. You know, they become super unhappy, which is not something that we want to do. But in reality, it's also harmful for, for your own employees if you create a poor customer experience if you haven't made enough so that your company actually creates a good customer experience it makes customers uh, angry it makes customers unhappy what do they do they lash out who do they lash out to they lash out to your employees they don't lash out to the ceo obviously of the company but they do so with the frontline employees and it's a super vicious circle because then employees become super unhappy and i think the situation which is super terrible is if a customer has had a poor customer experience and then he calls the call center to solve that and if they cannot solve it. That's the double deviation basically. So poor customer experience followed by poor service resolution. That's really the worst of that. Because at some point the customer is like, okay, I've had a bad experience so I can keep my calm, you know, and try and solve that. Let me give these guys a call. And then you call and then you're faced with lack of resolution, lack of Empathy, as it's kind of modern to say, but basically human experience. Someone is just sitting there and not doing anything to help, and that's super bad. Then it starts to escalate, basically. So yeah, I think the personality factor is definitely in place, but I think it can be kind of mitigated and controlled, if you will. The cultural factor is definitely in place, that we all insist that the customer is king, and that's not gonna change, let's face that. But perhaps it can be a little bit softened, And then the biggest one is really the contextual factor. And I read studies that even crowded places, high temperature, all of these things actually make customers more abusive. Can we solve that? Yes, we can make places less crowded. It's not such a huge deal. It's called queue management and it has existed for decades. It's a simple thing to do if you want to do it.
1: So we understood that customer experience is very much linked with the customer abuse. Unhappy customers take it out on the frontline staff. And if we have mechanisms to analyze customer experiences, to measure customer experiences, do we have a mechanism of actually measuring customer abuse and the impact it has on organizations?
0: I think with today's technologies, yes, you can definitely do that because at the end of the day, customer abuse is not only the physical one. It can also happen over email, it happens over calls. Receiving an email with capital letters saying, you're a stupid, that's also abuse. So yes, there are many ways these days in which you can monitor that, especially given the electronic communication. So you can put flags on emails that contain abusive words or you can monitor the calls. And then you can also actually suggest in real time to employees how can they they avoid or how can they solve the situation. But even in face-to-face interactions, I think there are a lot of ways you can do that. But it's important, and I think we'll probably touch upon this a little bit later, but having a very strict policy against customer abuse, I think is very critical, establishing the mechanisms in which employees can actually report that. Let's be real, I mean, people are not going to report all instances of customer abuse, but I think it sets a very important mechanism that you give them something, you give them instruments, you give employees instruments to defend themselves, I think. So if they want, if need be, they can actually use it. And it shows that the company actually cares about that. Because I think these days, as far as I'm concerned, most companies don't even realize that that's even potentially an issue. And we want to create great customer experiences, and then we want to create great employee experiences. It's a little bit of a paradox because in some cases, you cannot create both. It's all very good. Happy employees make happy customers, and then happier customers lead to happier employees and so on. But sometimes you need to take a decision. If the customer is abusive, no, we're not going to make this customer happy just because they're harming our employees. So back to your question. Yes, a good system of monitoring these interactions is, I think, very critical. My suspicion, although I haven't seen it, to be honest, is that actually you can very well predict if customers are going to be uh, kind of propensity to abuse. Although there was this movie, what was the, the movie's name, in which there were these twins, the science fiction movie. No?
1: Nope. No, no, no. Doesn't click.
0: No, they were predicting crimes and they were actually arresting people before the crimes.
1: Oh, interesting. Yes.
0: <laughs> A lot of people You philosophical Pretty much, much
1: stole my question. Did I? Yes, we know that GMSQ is really great at predicting customer experiences. We can predict I'm happy versus and very happy customers. Do you think that in the organization's practices, especially like companies that are dealing with customer care, they have call centers and agents, do you think that predicting unhappy customers and customer abuse will be something that I guess would be the new implementation of AI and predictive analytics?
0: I most certainly hope so, because I think predicting who's happy and who's unhappy, that's probably the strongest way to make someone happy. If I have a problem and someone calls me without actually asking me and does something to alleviate my troubles, that's huge. You see it all the time in movies because lawyers use it all the time. It's called stealing thunder. If you know that the other party has something that can be bad for your own client, it's oftentimes better that you disclose it before the other party does. And I think it's pretty much the same thing here. So If you call someone and say, hey, I know that in the last couple of days there has been disruptions in the network or whatever business you're in. And you tell them, you tell the client that and try to manage it for him or give them something in return or just paying attention to that, just showing that you know that this happened and they could be unhappy. I think that's pretty much enough to be honest with you. There are tons of studies which say that being proactive in these interactions, even openly sharing situations in which, well, you've done something wrong, That actually helps a lot, helping these clients, because for them it's like someone cares about that. There is someone in control of the whole thing. It's not like I need to fight it, I need to call and then I'm gonna ask questions and then it's all gonna go bad. It's not like that. You show that you're in control, you're in charge, it's your responsibility to do it. You're basically telling the client, I know that it's my responsibility to do that and I've got things handled for you. I truly cannot believe that in the end of the first quarter of the 21st century, that's going to be a difficult thing to do if you really want to do it. So yes, predicting, predicting customer dissatisfaction is going to be huge. So even if you don't go as far, you know, as as the science fiction of predicting who's going to be abusive or aggressive or whatever it is, you can predict who's going to be unhappy.
1: Interesting, quite an interesting point. And I think it pretty much links to you have the mechanisms to predict and prevent or kind of smoother the mm. abuse you have the tools to do it what's missing in the picture to actually make organizations support the frontline staff is there enough knowledge in a, probably like sea a levels is there a strategy place what should an organization do and where should they start to actually implement processes that will prevent customer hmm.
0: abuse. I think you start before that. As with everything, don't allow it to happen. I think that's the surefire way to manage it. In reality, there doesn't exist such a world in which customers are not going to be aggressive or abusive at times. So even though you know, I wrote this book kind of saying that let's eradicate it, I know that it cannot be eradicated. You cannot do that. What you can do is significantly reduce them And what you can do is help employees handle them, handle the situations and live better lives in the longer term. So I think there are basically three ways in which companies can act on that. One is prevention, really. And prevention is, again, going back to your previous point. You know, if we can predict who's going to be unhappy and just call them to avoid them becoming aggressive or abusive, then that's a very good way of doing that. Having very strict policies here, there are a lot of campaigns that have been running in the last couple of years. Most of them in the States, in the UK, in Australia, but also other places as well. Campaigns against customer abuse, raising the awareness for customer abuse. And I think that's, well, I hope that this book is also part of of these efforts, you know, even talking about these things. I think it's important. Second thing is having a very good policy against that, you know, taking a stance basically against that. It could be very simple things like even putting at service desks or, you know, over the phone, telling customers that no, this behavior is not tolerated. And if this happens, the customer service representative has the right to just decline to communicate with this customer full stop. Is the company going to lose a client? Probably. Is it for the better? Yes. Because otherwise, this employee is going to burn out. They're going to quit. If this kind of unhappiness or the mental health of this employee doesn't cost enough, it is going to cost the company money. It is going to cost the company money because people's performance suffer. They quit the company. Oftentimes, they actually hurt the customer and the company. Employees do that from time to time. I don't approve of that, obviously, but it's also not a normal psychological reaction. So yes, I think in some cases, telling a customer no, that's not gonna happen, that costs less than everything else in economic and in psychological and mental health value. So yes, this policy and taking a stance on that is super critical. I think establishing a very good process for these situations is also important. If I'm an employee, something happens, who should I call? Getting a training for employees on implementing this process is also important, you know, before that. And all of these things provide the infrastructure. They can never prevent customer abuse from happening, but you can lower it, for sure. And then there is also this angle during the conversation, I think. And I'm not exactly sure that... Well, I'm quite sure that in a lot of call centers, people do get training in handling difficult customers. So I think that part is, by and large, very well covered. Although, what I'm going to argue is that's only part of the process, really. You cannot rely just on that, because that's essentially telling someone we know there is a lot of crime in the country, here's a gun, here is how to use it, take care of yourself. It's not the whole thing, let's work to not have the crime in the first place, or not having to defend myself in any way. But there's some very good tactics employees can use during these type of abusive situations. And by the way, again, a lot of people know them from movies. a lot of hostage situations actually employ exactly the same things like you need to call people by name so use your first name try to establish a rapport as much as possible it could be a little bit tricky someone is being aggressive so you can't be very polite but you need to stand your ground a little bit you need to be assertive is the right word i think so you need to be very careful not to be aggressive because that's when situations escalate and they escalate in a very ugly way But at the same time, you can also not be passive, so you cannot just comply with what the customer is saying. You need to have a position, and again, here in the company's policies and procedures are super important for that, because they help the employee to be assertive. If I know that the company is going to back me up, whatever I do, then I can be assertive. And assertiveness is, I can ask for things and I can understand that the world might not comply with what I'm saying but I have the right to ask these things, and I have the right to tell the customer that that's not an appropriate behavior, and I have the right to tell the customer that I'm gonna hang up the phone, and I have the right to demand from the customer that they stop pounding on the table, and call the police even, why not, if it comes to that. So all of these things, I think pretty much in any sector you are, that's a very good skill to have. And then I think the last element is Because the harm from customer abuse doesn't only happen during the interaction. I mean, the interaction is one thing. Obviously, it's going to leave you feeling bad, feeling angry, all of these things. Problem is that employees who are exposed to that kind of behavior for a significantly long time or a prolonged time, they get a lot of stress and stress leads to burnout. There is a ton of studies that shows that, yes, this kind of negative spiral from negative emotions to emotional exhaustion because you need to manage your emotions. Service employees and everyone dealing with clients really, so I'm not talking just about people in restaurants or stuff like that, everyone in the service sector, they're kind of between a hammer and a hard place oftentimes because they need to, there is a customer who's very angry at you but at the same time you cannot be angry because you need to manage your emotions because that's your job. And that leads to a lot of emotional exhaustion because people start actually managing their emotions. They they start faking it a little bit. And from that, their performance suffer. They get more exhausted. When they get more exhausted, a lot of very bad things happen, like they lash back at customers. Their sleep suffers. And there are studies which show that employees who are exposed to customer abuse, their family relations suffer. They do more phone time, if you will. So it's all of these things. It really hurts employees, not only mental health but also physical health. And in these situations it's a matter of helping employees replenish these resources because they spend effort, they spend energy, they spend their resources. It's all about helping them replenish themselves. It could be things like taking a break. Mindfulness and meditation helps as well. But having a social circle, a supportive circle of friends and colleagues, if you will, that helps a lot. Having the support from your supervisor helps a lot and venting, it was super interesting. Venting, you know, how we go and ah, this client said that and that doesn't work. That kind of amplifies it. You need a sympathetic ear, if you will, to share that, but you need to feel part of a collective place. You need to feel that your supervisor is there for you if you want to talk to them, that they provide really this organizational help. So it's a lot about what does the organization do and it's very soft things, it's things that. One would think that every organization wants to have a culture in which people support each other, they help each other, and the supervisor is there, it's very kind of most family, if you will. Or someone who cares about you really at
1: the job. I think you gave us a plenty of for uh, thoughts, to be honest. If you think about the company that you work at, Gensec. And think about your employees. What is the one tactic that you employ to ensure that there is a minimum customer abuse and your employees feel safe and happy?
0: We try to give them all the support that we can internally, I think. And that is like, I think empowerment. Empowerment is the right word also for not only for GMC, but for everyone else. I think that employees should be empowered and I hope that employees at James are empowered to do these things. It is at their discretion. I wouldn't be unhappy if a colleague of mine says, dear customer, I appreciate that and I appreciate that we might have made a mistake or I appreciate that you're feeling bad today or whatever, but that's not an appropriate behavior. That's not how I would expect that you treat me. I know you're a client, but this doesn't make you the master of everything. I wouldn't be unhappy with that. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I hope that everyone at GemSeek knows that, obviously. And I'm also happy to intervene whenever needed, because these things happen, and I'm also not too judgmental about our own customers, if you will. I know that these things happen, and I know that we all have bad days, but it cannot be a regular behavior on the side of, of our customers. So it's really this empowerment, I think, for our employees that, yes, they can handle these situations as they see fit and we are going to back them up. Establishing this psychological climate agency in which I hope people feel safe and they feel supported really by everyone. That's, that's basically the two things, I think. Ideally, in an ideal world, I think we would be able to help customers themselves manage their emotions better because that's the root cause of everything. We all get angry, but in anyway, we don't go along the street and we don't scream to our partners or to our children, well, ideally we don't do that. But the thing is, a company doesn't have this ability to magically increase the emotional intelligence of its customers. For one thing, it's oftentimes very transactional. I buy something and then I'm on my way so that it's not the purpose of the company to educate its customers. So unfortunately, that door is closed. And I think that's why I said that the way for customers to do it is to avoid getting into trouble or giving customers a reason to be unhappy in the first place. All you can do is deliver a good customer experience. All you can do is try not to make customers unhappy. And that's it. Because how they react when they're unhappy, you cannot control. You can support, you know, you can try to manage that. You can remind them all the times that you're against that. You can give your employees the skills to handle the situation. You can support them after that, but I think it's vital that customers do their part. Their part is deliver great customer experience, empower your employees, give them the resources and support them if something goes wrong. Now, whether you can do or we can do something about increasing emotional intelligence, if you will, of customers or in the society at large, maybe there are certain things we can do and I know that a lot of Unions and a lot of organizations around the world are actually working towards that. They have campaigns raising the awareness of the issue, and I think that's critical. And then you can also do campaigns explaining that to customers. That's not a good way to treat people. And I think that's also important.
1: Thank you for the enlightening conversation. We covered a lot of topics from employee turnover to financial impact and best practices. And I think it's more like a call for action for the organizations now to take a stand and do everything possible to reduce the customer abuse on their own employees.
0: Thank you so much, Sasha. It was great talking to you. Indeed, we covered a lot and I feel that my sincere hope is not only that organizations are going to do a lot, but hopefully that we just put it on the table. Put it in our minds that it exists, customer abuse exists. No, customers are not always right. They're not right when they abuse our employees. They're not right when they shout at them. They're not right even when they have unreasonable demands. And I think we need to know that. We need to try and do something about it. And I hope we all work together to create a better business world.
1: Thank you and goodbye.
0: If you liked this episode, Hit follow and visit gemseek.com to learn more. Let's make an impact on the world of CX together. Thank you for listening.